You're listening to the sermon podcast of Mountain View Church. Whether you're here catching up on last week's message or digging through a past series, we're so grateful you've tuned in today. Our prayer is the next 30 to 40 minutes helps you become a more whole follower of Jesus. If you're local and would like to join us, we'd love to see you this Sunday. For those who can't make it in person, services are also streamed on Facebook and YouTube. All the information about service times, what we have for kids, and much more can be found on our website, almsville.church. Now, let's open our hearts and minds to today's message. Let me ask you a question. Uh, Have you ever experienced something so incredible that, like, when you went back and tried to tell someone else or explain it to other people, you, you couldn't find the words to, like, fully capture it? Right, like last Sunday, there was someone, he was sitting right over here. Uh, he was visiting from Minnesota, don't you know? And uh, I, can, I can say that because I used to live there. Uh, and his whole family was here. He's actually a pastor of one of our churches in Minnesota. And he was visiting, and they had never been out here. And they had started in Northern California and worked their way up the coast and then came over to, like, the Medford area and all the way up. And I just thought, this poor guy, like, how is he ever going to go back home and explain to the great people of Minnesota, which is a beautiful place. I liked, I liked my time in Minnesota for six months of the year. Um, how is he going to explain to them the, the beauty of the Pacific Northwest? Because if you've grown up here, you lived here your whole life, you don't even see it anymore. It's just like normal to you. If you've grown up where uh, uh, the most exciting thing that you lived near was a cornfield, Pacific Northwest is still pretty crazy. Uh, and so I just thought this guy, like how... How can you comprehend the scale of the Redwood National Forest unless you've seen it with your own eyes? Or, or how, how is he going to go back and tell his family about the, the majesty of Crater Lake? And he's got, you know, you're going to show pictures, right? We take pictures on our phones everywhere we go. But you guys know, you look at your phone, you look at the picture, and you're like, it's a great picture. These cameras are incredible these days, but it's not the same. You can't capture. There's lots of things in nature that are that way. If you're not a nature person, for some of us, maybe it's a good meal. It's the smells. It's the taste. That would be me, right? You're laughing because you're like, we can tell, all right? Um, A high-risk activity. How many of you have ever gone like bungee jumping or skydiving or something like that? It's like, you can't really describe that to someone else. A few years ago, um, Cassie and I kind of fulfilled a dream of ours. It was always our plan for our 10-year anniversary to go to Hawaii together. We had never been. If you grow up in the Midwest, Hawaii is like this exotic destination where unicorns live. Um, out here, you're like, oh, we got, you know, Alaska Airlines, you know, whatever. But no one ever went, you know, from the Midwest. And so it was always like, we're going to save up for it. We're going to plan for it. Our 10-year, we're going to go. And so um, it's five years ago now. We went to Maui, and it, it, was, it was something I'll never forget, and Cassie and I, I think we would both say that the highlight of the trip was ziplining through the hills of, of Kapalua, kind of the north side of, of Maui there. Um, and some of you maybe have done this, but I could try to describe it to you. I, I don't know how to. So instead, we went back into the archives and found a video. Uh, so let's watch this. Set, go. Oh, my Lord. Oh my goodness! 
See you at the finish line, babe. <laughs> Oregon. <laughs> Man, your line was flying. You were going fast. <laughs> you lean back. There's everything got to be a competition. Some of you are like, she's beating him. And I was like, we're celebrating our anniversaries, having a good time, you know? Did you, did you notice I prayed at one point in the prayer? There was a, that was a prayer moment. Uh, yeah. Now, videos are better than pictures. I think you can at least capture a little bit more on video. But even that, like, there's no way to describe how high up we are. I mean, we're above the trees, um, how fast you're going, like, what it feels like to actually be on that thing. And so, like, even watching that video is not remotely as cool as harnessing up yourself and, and doing that. Um, and some of you are like, actually, the video's fine. That's as, that's as close as I'm ever going to get to that. Uh, I'm, you're missing out. Like, you're missing out if you won't go for it. Um, there's just some things in life that need to be experienced, not just explained. And one of those things is Jesus. You, you probably expected his name to come up today. You're at church, right? That's kind of the whole point of what we do here. Uh, I, but I, I grew up in a church that was a great church. I'm grateful for the foundation of faith that I got and my parents and my church. But... Um, most A good portion of my early years of, of following Jesus was having him explained to me, um, knowing the right things about Jesus. And the goal or the hope, I think, was that if I knew enough about Jesus, I might be able to someday explain him to someone else. Um, maybe this is ringing a bell for you. Maybe you can kind of relate to this approach to the faith and and maybe some of us, in fact, would even just say that that's one of the things that's held us back from sharing more about what we believe and the faith that we have is, is because we're not sure we know enough. We're not sure we could explain Jesus to someone else. And so we kind of keep him to ourselves. Um, what's interesting is Jesus himself took a different approach. And I want to unpack that a little bit this week and next week. We're going to do kind of a two-week mini-series called Come and See. I want, to, I want to look at the approach that Jesus himself took. And so if you've got a Bible, we're going to be on John chapter 1. And this is the only place we're going today. So you're not even going to have to flip any pages. Once you find it, you're set, okay? John chapter 1. Um, and, and I always encourage you to bring your own Bible. There's a few around. We're still waiting. We have a massive back order of Bibles uh, that we're still waiting on. But I always encourage you to bring your own because then you can write in it and put notes in it and, and underline stuff. But John chapter 1, verse 35 to 39, if you're on the Bible app, remember, click, uh, click events and you'll find it there. But we're going to start in verse 35, so scroll down a little bit with me. And I got to tell you, there's two Johns, right? There's, there's John the disciple, he's the one who's writing this, uh, and then there's John the Baptist, and that doesn't mean he went to a Baptist church, you know that, right? That means he, that was a terrible joke, you guys didn't even laugh at that, Sorry. He baptized people in water. That's why he's called John the Baptizer, okay? I gave you donuts. Laugh at my jokes. All right. <laughs> Verse 35. The next day, John, this is the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. 
Now we gotta stop there because that, is a, that would have been a loaded phrase, right? See, the Old Testament law uh, and the Jewish people, they had this elaborate sacrificial system. And the goal of the system was if I do the right sacrifices, if I do the right things, then my sins will be forgiven and I will stay in right relationship with God. I do the right things, I do the right sacrifices, I get to stay in right relationship with God. But all of a sudden, John sees this guy walking by, like right near them, in front of them, beside them. He's like, this guy right here, he's the lamb of God. Meaning, he hasn't come just to drop some knowledge. He's not just here to overthrow the Roman government and put Israel back in power like a lot of people had assumed the Messiah might do. No, this guy has come from heaven to be the sacrifice. Remember how he used to sacrifice lambs? Yeah, he is gonna be the lamb sacrifice that is going to take away the sins of the whole world. It's a pretty big deal. It's a huge claim, right? This guy's the lamb of God. It says, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Right? What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. Now, this may seem a little weird to us, right? These, these two guys, they, they literally start to follow behind Jesus. Now, in that culture, people who did this were called disciples. Uh, in our culture, if you try that, you will be called a stalker. A uh, little different. Do not try this at home. That's weird. Uh, but back then, these teachers, these rabbis would come through town and they would be known, right? People would say, oh man, this you know, Rabbi Gamaliel, for example, is coming through town, you know? And people who wanted to learn more from them, wanted to basically be an apprentice of this rabbi, would follow him, would go, I'm not leaving. Like, I'm just gonna walk with you. And he would pick people, right? He would pick people and say, you come, you come, you come. And so that's what being a disciple is, by the way. The very Greek word disciple means learner. To be a disciple means to be a student, Okay, to be an apprentice of Jesus. And so Jesus asks them, what do you want? I think that's a loaded question. I don't think he's just like, what do you want right now? Like you're hungry, you need something to drink. I, I think he, we could use this word really. What do you really want? Like what do you want in life? And I don't think they know how to answer that, would you? I mean, if Jesus or anybody was like, what do you really want? It's like, uh, uh, I don't know. Where are you staying? Right, they are attracted to Jesus. There's something about this man that they're like, man, we gotta learn more about him. And like, what if, what if he really is the Messiah that our ancestors have been talking about for hundreds of years? And they don't know what to say or think, but they know they wanna stay close to him. So they say, where are you staying And Jesus simply says, come, and you will see. What do you want? I don't know. Come, and you will see. Why doesn't Jesus explain a little more there, right? 
Why doesn't he take the time to say, hey, let me know, let me tell you a little bit about who I am. I'll come from heaven. I'm the second person of the Trinity. I'm fully God and fully man. Why, do, why does he unpack some of that stuff? Why doesn't he tell them, here's what I've come to do. I've come to be the perfect sacrifice for God. I'm gonna die for your sins. I'm gonna defeat the, the devil. I'm gonna defeat sin and raise from the grave and it's, it's gonna change your life forever. Well, how, would, how do you explain unconditional love to somebody? Can you even do that? Can things like belonging and acceptance be understood before they're felt? With these men, these, these fishermen, first century fishermen, probably mostly under, undereducated and just kind of doing their thing. Would, would they have any category if Jesus had explained himself? Here's who I am and here's what I'm here to do. Would they be like, oh yeah, I got that? Or they've been like, huh? I think the latter, right? So Jesus doesn't explain himself. He says, come and see. That, that's where it all started. How did it start for you? Just take a minute and just think, think back in your life. Where did, where did things start? When did the light bulb first go off? And all of us have different journeys. We all have different ways that we've gotten to this point in our, in our journey with God. Some of us, we grew up in a Christian home. That was my story. Uh, I, went, you know, I was, went to church every Sunday. My mom was the choir director of this Baptist church. And uh, we memorized big chunks. I was in like Bible quiz back in the day. You memorize big chunks of scripture and VBS and just all of the church things, right? I, I can never remember a time in my life where Jesus wasn't a part of it. That doesn't mean he was always at the center of my life. There were certainly seasons where I pushed him out to the edges. But he was always just kind of a part of my life. And for some of us, that's, that's our story. You just kind of grew up with this stuff. Others of us, um, we're, we're late bloomers. That was the term my mom used to describe me uh, when I was 4'11 in ninth grade. And I was worried a girl would never like me. And I wanted to have hairy armpits like all the other boys in the locker room. She's like, don't worry, babe. Like, some people are just late bloomers. It's going to be okay, you know. And it didn't help the way she dressed me. But I was in ninth grade. I probably just said, I got it from here, Mom. But, um, but some of us, right, we, we came to faith later in life. It wasn't something we grew up with. For, for some of us, if we're honest, it took a pretty dramatic event. Um. It took a moment where, where things fell apart in our life or a choice was made or just a hard season and someone passed away or an accident took, whatever it was. And, and, and at some point, we decided to come and see for ourselves. And we entered into a relationship with Jesus. And when you came to Mountain View, there was a chair with your name on it, just like this one. There was a spot for you. And there was a spot for your kids in the nursery and in children's church. And you found your chair. You remember the first time you visited our church? Some of you, it's this week. Hi. <laughs> Glad you're here. Some of you, it's 30 years ago, 40 years ago. This church has been here since, I think, 1968, I think. And maybe the first time you came, maybe you didn't really want to come, you know, you're kind of skeptical a little bit, but your spouse really wanted you to, and you didn't really need another guilt trip, so you're like, fine, you know, I'll go, or 
You're convinced churches were just all about money and you've been hurt by the church and you just, you didn't want to give it another chance. But they wanted you to go, so you just went. And then you pulled up and what you saw wasn't that impressive, right? It's like, eh, and the paint's kind of peeling a little bit and they haven't even paved the parking lot, you know? And you come and you find your chair and, and we start singing and you're like, I don't even know most of these songs. And that pastor looks way too young to know anything about anything. And I can't believe they, I mean, is that really the guy, you know? But you found your chair. And strangely, you felt that the people you interacted with genuinely were excited that you were there. Like generally seemed like nice people. Maybe even saw an old friend that you didn't know. I've heard this so many times. I had no idea that they went to this church. And you sat through the whole service and you were shocked that the pastor actually had a thing or two of substance to say. And, and you wouldn't admit it at the time, but it almost seemed like he knew some things that were going on in your life. And it kind of creeped you out a little bit. And so you left that first morning. Maybe you rushed by. You didn't want to stop at Connection Point. You're never going to fill out a card on your first time. These people, no way, right? You got in your car, but you kept coming back. And, and slowly, Mountain View Church went from being that church that you visit to that home you look forward to returning to. And you found your chair, and you encountered Jesus for yourself. You came and saw Jesus for yourself. Now, that's not everybody's story, right? Some of us, we came into this building like card-carrying members of, of Christianity, right? We, we were just excited. We just needed a new place to maybe grow and learn, and, and we were new to town, and, and so you, you planted here. But there was a chair for you as well. And Mountain View Church, again, went from this place you visit to a place you call home. All because you came and saw, or someone invited you to come and see. Now watch what happens. Verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. So Andrew experiences it for himself. He spends the day with Jesus, but he doesn't keep it for himself. He experiences it for himself, but he doesn't keep it for himself. It's not like me sometimes with a good restaurant, I'll be honest. I, I kind of keep that stuff under wraps, right? I don't want everybody to know. I'm a big foodie. I love to eat. I like to try new places, new foods. I like to find that hidden gem, that hole-in-the-wall type place that maybe a lot of people don't know about, but it's just mm, so good, you know? Now, you would think, as a pastor, you would think that I would have the grace to share that with you. And you would be wrong. I don't want everybody to know. I'm thinking of a place right now, actually, different place than first service. And I'm not going to tell you, because if you go and you tell your friends about it and everybody starts to go, what happens? Wait times increase. I can't get a table, right? They're going to jack up their prices because they know they got a good thing. Right now, they're kind of like on the fence a little bit, you know? And then this is just the hipster Oregon part of me, but it's not as cool if everybody else likes it, you know? Just the way it is. I like to kind of be different. Andrew, this, that's not Andrew. Look at the story. It's, it says the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother, okay? You know they always got along, right? Found his brother 
and told him about Jesus, the first thing. And he didn't just tell him, he brought him. You see that? He didn't just say, hey, let me explain something to you. He said, no, 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 you, you gotta come. Come check this out. Come listen to this guy. Come meet him. And, and you're gonna see this pattern over and over, okay? Verse 43, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. So Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. (laughs) Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? How would you like to be from Nazareth and know this is in the Bible? Like, man, (laughs) shots fired, right? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip says, come and see Right, Nathaniel, Nathaniel represents the skeptics, the doubters. He's like, Nazareth, like that podunk hillbilly place, are you serious right now? The Messiah's coming from there? And people, my grandparents and great-grandparents, they've been going on and on about this Messiah guy for centuries, and he hasn't shown up. Are we still talking about that? Notice Philip doesn't answer all of his questions. He doesn't try to explain everything. What is he supposed to say? Right? I, th- I think he's thinking, okay, I can't convince somebody else. I mean, I, I just spent the day with him, and I know what I've experienced and, and what I saw. I don't, I don't know what's, what's going to persuade Nathaniel to do the same thing. And so he doesn't try to explain it. He says, just do me a favor. Before you lay out all your objections, before you, you know, just completely write everything off, will you just come and see? Just come and see. And watch what happens. Verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree over there before Philip called you. (laughs) Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And just like that, Nathanael believes. Now notice it was a different approach that Jesus took. Jesus didn't do this for everybody else. When he called the first guys, he said, hey, come and follow me. Or, hey, what do you want? He asked them a question, you know, and that was enough. Those guys said, yeah, we're gonna follow you. Let's do this. Nathanael's a skeptic, right? He's got questions. You know who knows Nathanael's a skeptic? Jesus, which is why Jesus takes a completely different approach and says, let me watch this, watch this. Hey, Nathaniel, how do you know me? I saw you over there a couple miles down the road, sitting under a fig tree. You saw me? It's kind of a thing I can do. (laughs) Like different people need, need different things to start the journey, don't they? We all have different needs, we all have different questions and experiences that have to be sometimes overcome or doubts that need to be answered. And the, the thing is, is like, Philip didn't do any of that. He just got him to the one who can do all that and overcomes all of that. So Jesus pulls out his God card. He's <laughs> like, I saw you, I know who you are. And Nathaniel's like, you're the son of God. You're the son of God. 
It didn't start with an explanation. It started with an invitation that led to an experience. Okay, I want to say that again. It didn't start with an explanation. It started with an invitation that led to an experience. And I think there are Nathaniels and Andrews and Peters all around us. I think there are people everywhere. I think we have coworkers and neighbors and family members that are, that are looking for something, right? If, if God would ask them, if you would ask them, hey, what do you want? They, they may not be able to like express it clearly and tell you exactly what you want because that's a pretty deep question, right? What do you really want? But if you could peel back the layers and if they could express it, we all want hope and love and peace in a crazy world. And purpose, right? So many people today just feel like, I just have no idea why I'm here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And those of us who have already come and saw and those of us who have already experienced, we, we know that the answer to all of those things is Jesus. It sounds so simple. I know. It's like, wait, the pastor's answer to everything is Jesus? Yeah, it really is. And they're just an invitation away from finding it out for themselves. So I want to give us just three action steps to kind of take away and apply this week. Just something practically we can do to kind of respond to what maybe God is stirring in us. Um, the first thing is we can give the invitation. Right? If people are just an invitation away from finding that, then we need to be people who give invitations. Um, a few years ago, a church in Atlanta, North Point Church, um, Andy Stanley's the pastor there. It's a church that I, I tend to enjoy. Uh, they developed this idea of of the three knots of evangelism, N-O-T. And I've talked about this, it was seven or eight years ago now in our church. The three knots of evangelism. And the idea is that if you would hear any version of these phrases that all have not in them, uh, that it would be kind of a nudge from God to say, hey, you gotta invite that person to come and see for themselves. And so I wanna give these to you. The, the first phrase is, I'm not in church. That is low-hanging fruit, people. This is as simple as it gets. When someone would say to you, ah, I don't go to church or I'm not in church or, you know, we just moved to the area and haven't found a church yet or, you know, I used to go to church. I'm not really, this is my favorite, I'm not a church person. You know what I always say to that? Me neither. No, no, you don't understand. I'm not religious. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not religious either. That's what, aren't you the pastor? Yep. Weird. Yep. Right? I'm not in church. Any, any version of that phrase, man, that is such an easy moment for you to say, well, I am, and I think you might like more than you think. You got to come and check it out. The second phrase is things are not going well. Right? When someone opens up to you and shares a, a painful thing in their life that's causing them problems, um, someone says, you know, my marriage is on the rocks. My spouse just left me, or I got fired from my job. Um, my kids are, are really, their mental health is really struggling, or my mental health is really struggling. I'm going through a hard time. Like, whatever it is, when someone opens up to you and expresses that there's something in their life that's not as it should be or that they want it to be, that is a, a great time to say, you know, I can't explain everything, and, and I don't have answers for everything. Would you come? And sit with me. Not, not would you just come and see by yourself, but would you come and, and find a chair with me? 
The last phrase, I was not prepared for this. Right? There's just things that happen that, that you don't see coming, right? Sometimes this can fit into category number two, but sometimes they can be blessings. I talked to somebody last week that was like, we thought we were done having kids after the first four, and, and we were like, done, done, like sell the stuff, done. And guess what? <laughs> Here comes baby number five, right? I was not prepared for this, and I'm stressed out, and I don't know what to do. Um, sometimes, yeah, it's a, it's a job loss, and we had to move, you know? We had to relocate. Um, my mom passed away. I don't know what to do with that. I, I just, I'm grieving, I'm struggling, so-and-so's hurting, and I don't, I don't know how to process that, right? I was not prepared for this. Those are the three phrases. I'm not in church. Things are not going well. I'm not prepared for this. If you hear any version of those three, that would be a nudge from the Holy Spirit to say, hey, I don't have all the answers, but do you wanna go to church with me? I was going through a rough time or I had this happen and I just, I found that there was something there for me and I think maybe you would too. You don't have to fully explain things. You are inviting them to experience what you've experienced. In fact, on September 25th, so two Sundays from now, we're gonna be starting a brand new series called Elements, um, walking through each of the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter five. And it would be like the perfect series to invite that person that's popping into your head right now to invite them to church. Because listen, the fruits of the Spirit are things like love, joy, peace, patience. You know the list, kindness, goodness. No one reads that list and goes, I don't need any of that. (laughs) Man, our world would be a better place if we had less of those. Right now, man, I'm telling you that list, you read it and you're like, if only, if only our world had more of this, what it would be. So I wanna encourage you specifically, maybe reach out and invite them to that, the start of that series. So the first step is to, yeah, give an invitation. The second action step is to give up your seat. This one's fun. Give up your seat. Um, we're a very unique church, and I don't know if you know this, so I wanna unpack a few things with you that you may not realize. Um, did you know that only 10% of churches in the United States are growing? Only, same, same stat, only 10% of those 10% are greater than 250 people. And we're one of those. Now, you may not think about that because you just attend the one church, the one service. And so you don't really think, someone asked me, how big is your church? You got like 100 people here? And I'm like, yeah, about times two and a half. Um, because you just know what you know. You know the service time you come to, you see the people that you come to. You may not realize how many people are connected to our church. Another stat, did, did you know that that only 7% of churches that are growing are growing on conversion growth. So here's what I mean by that. Conversion growth is growing by new people putting their faith in Jesus and coming to church. Most churches, the vast majority, the other 93% of churches in this country that are growing are growing by what they call uh, transfer growth, which means sheep just move into another pen, Right? Like, I don't really like this church anymore. I'm going to go to that. Like, they're already saved. They already know Christ. They already know the Bible. Like, I just, I'm going to this one. Or that pastor had the wrong idea with masks. I don't like him anymore. Whatever. And they go and they find a new church. And that's how most churches are growing. They attract other Christians. Um, We're one of these churches. We're a church that's over 250 people. And we're a church that's growing, not on transfer growth, but on conversion growth. People finding Jesus and wanting to follow him. And so one of the ways we try to make sure we've got a seat for the person that you're gonna invite is we run multiple services. Right now we have 10 o'clock and 
Um, Pre-COVID, we also had an 1130 service that we might have to go back to at some time here. But what happens, and so we have to run two services because we have a small building, small children's spaces, small sanctuary. But what happens from time to time, the balance can get a little, little wonky, okay? Let me, let me give you an example. So three weeks ago on Sunday morning, we had a Sunday where we had 67 people at 830. That's the whole building. That includes nursery, kids, everybody. We had 67 people in the building at, at first service. Then at 10 o'clock, we had 155. If you're adding that up and going, that doesn't equal 250, you are correct. It's summer in Oregon, all right? <laughs> Hence, back to church Sunday. Now, not only did that feel super weird in the building at first service, like, are we, did, are we having church? Like, what's going on? Um, but it created some real challenges at this hour. We had people like sitting on the back wall, not, not Betsy and staff people, like, like visitors, first timers, like sitting on the back wall. We have kids, we're splitting them into three or four different rooms. Parking was yikes, right? Like, like I actually had visitors that week ask me, so where do people park? And you know how bad it is to have to tell a visitor, like, well, you can park at the bank and then walk across Main Street if you want. That's a, you know, it was really crazy. And so action step number one is, is to give the invitation. But, but when that happens and those people come in the fall and they need a seat, for themselves and for their kids. Action step two is that some of us, and I'm, I'm targeting the number 20, that 20 of us from this service time would give up our seat and pledge to attend the earlier service where we have a little bit more space. Okay, now, if you're already an 8.30-er and you're just here because it didn't work for your schedules this week or you know, you're just getting back in rhythm or whatever, I'm preaching to the choir. So apologies, okay, do me a favor and Try to get back to the 8.30 if you can, right? The people at this service kind of smell bad. So just, you know, you, you know, you can tell, yeah. Um, now, if you're generally a 10 o'clock person, that's probably most of us in this room. Today's actually not too bad. I was a little nervous after last Sunday what this Sunday could look like. Today's not too bad. We've got some, everybody loves the front row. I mean, you could tell everybody loves to sit there. And there's, there's some spots and we could put out probably two more rows if we have to. And we will have to this fall. But we need about 20 of you to make, to change to 8.30, because it's not about just this room, it's also about our kids' spaces and our nursery and our volunteer capacities. Now, why should you do that? Why should you change? Assuming that people's lives being changed for eternity is not enough for you. Let me explain a couple. Oh, snap! Let me just throw a few things out at you. First off, <laughs> you like that, right? That was for you. Yeah, welcome home. Uh, let me explain a few things. First off, you get the best coffee, the freshest coffee of the day. We don't make any more. Just stays in those AirPods. You get the freshest cup. Today, you got your first choice of donuts. If you miss Jellyfield, it's because you came at 10 o'clock. Um, get easier parking, more space. You get to spread out. And I want to just tell you, there are some people at 830 that are the nicest, most Jesus-loving people that you've never met that I think you would love to meet and get to know. And you don't even know they go to your church. You might have a coworker or a friend that goes to our church that you've never met. You walk in at 830, and you're like, wait, what? Now, I know it won't work for everybody's schedules, and it's hard with kids, and I mean, I, I get all of that, and please don't, like, empty out this room next week, okay? Like, wow, that, that works too well. Um, but we're asking about 20 people, particularly maybe some of those of you that have children, if it's possible to move over and make some better space in some of our environments, that would be really helpful. So, so give the invitation, give up your seat, and then the last action step is give of yourself. Give of yourself. Every single one of us have been given three things by God. 
We all have time, talents, and treasures. You've probably heard this before, right? Time, talents, and treasures. We all have the same amount of time, by the way. We're all given the same 24 hours. How we use it might be different, but we're all given the same amount of time. We're all given different but equal talents and gifts for the kingdom of God. And we're all given treasures. Now, we're all not all given the same amount, but we're all given the same opportunity to be generous. And the thing is, is God gives us those things so that we can manage them. The biblical word is steward. We can steward them for his glory, not our own. And so if you're not giving, I wanna talk to that real quick. If you're not already giving to this church, I wanna encourage you to take that step of trusting the God who's provided everything that you have anyway, who promises in his word that he'll take care of your needs, not your wants, but he'll take care of your needs and begin to trust him and become a part of the team of Mountain View Church and leverage the resources he's given you to make a kingdom difference. Um, and if you're not already giving, there's ways you can do that. Our online giving platform makes it easy, which like 90% of our church gives online now. I had to explain that to our ushers because they were like looking in the basket after service one day and they're like, oh my gosh, we gotta sell everything. <laughs> Nobody, like the lights are not gonna get paid in this place, okay? Most people, 90% of our church is giving online these days. Um, easy to do. You can go to our website, omsil.church slash give. Uh, use the Secure Give app, whatever. And, and what you're doing is you're not just giving money. You are trusting God with your resources, which does something in your heart. And, and then you are leveraging what he's given you so that more people can come and see for themselves, whether that's this church or beyond our walls. Um, so if you're not already giving to the general fund, I wanna encourage you to start that journey. If you already are, right, if you're already tithing, you're already setting a percentage of gifts, I wanna encourage you to think beyond that. Like, what would it look like for you to help maybe start funding some of our global missions projects? What would, it, what would it look like for you to give to our building fund, which has nothing to do with a building. We have to call it a building fund so you know what, what it is. It has everything to do with having more of these so that more people could come and see. I don't care about buildings. I don't really want to build a building. It's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of money. But there's a ton of Nathaniels out there. And they don't all fit in here, even when we run three services. So I'd encourage you to check out that building fund if God plays that on your heart. One of the nice things we, ha we do is we have two service times so that you can serve in one if it's in the building and, and then come to the other one, right? Like, I don't want you missing church. I don't want you missing worship. I want you to be filled up so you have something to pour out. So the idea is that you could come to one and serve the other. I'm gonna pick on Judy. She's gonna love me for this. I'm sorry, Judy. But Judy came in at 8.30 and she was looking at the bulletin and stuff. And I said, oh, are you, you know, are you a host? She said, no, 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 I'm in the nursery today. And I said, that's awesome. She said, but I'm, still, I'm coming at 10 o'clock. I'm still coming at 10 o'clock. I'm like, good. Like, that's exactly what we want if you're able to make it work. And I know schedules are different and stuff. But the idea is just because you're serving in one of these places doesn't mean like, oh, I didn't get to go to service today. Um, you, can, you can still do that. So um, on your seat when you came in this morning, uh, or actually, I think we we're handing them out. You should have this card. I wanna walk through this just really quick and we'll get out of here. Can you, can you take this out and look at it? Did you get one? If not, I'm sure we've got some extras back there. Um, by the way, the QR code is not working, and that's my fault. So throw tomatoes at me later if you want. Uh, let, me, let me just explain what this is. First off, this helps us have the most up-to-date information for you, like how to contact you. How to, where, where are you? Where do you live? Um, 
Lots of things have changed over the last couple of years. People have moved, a lot of new people. There's some of you that have been coming to this church for like years and we still don't have like a phone number or anything for you because you thought we'd stalk you or do weird stuff with it or sell your information to Apple or I don't know. Uh, and so you, you don't want to fill this out. And, and I get that. All I can say to you is like, that's not why we need this. Um, but it, it would be awesome if you would just at least update us on like your information so that we can go into our database and make sure that we have the accurate information for you. And part of why we're doing this, this this week, and we'll have these cards available next week too, is there's a spot on there where you can check whether you'd like to receive emails or texts as well. Um, some of the feedback that we've gotten over the last few months is that maybe we're not the best at communicating during the week. Um, and that would be helpful at, at certain times, not all the time. But even though we have like verbal announcements and, and print bulletins and social media and stuff, there's times where you just aren't quite sure what's going on and wish that there was a better way to communicate. And so we're going to be sending out probably a monthly or, or, or maybe bi-monthly at the most email, um, just kind of keeping people on the same page, keeping people, you know, it might just be some announcements, that kind of stuff. And then texting, here's my promise to you. We are not just going to like text you every day. Like, hey, it's Mike, happy Monday. You know, like I'm not doing that. Okay, we're not going to, like I don't need more texts in my life either. Um, we have no way of letting a large majority of you know when there's some kind of emergency change or last minute change. Some of you wished we had this set up when you came to the church on Sunday in the park. Whoops. Um, so some, or, or like, I remember back to when we had the ice storm and I was like, well, we can put a sign on the door, but I don't, I mean, I don't really have a way of telling everybody, hey, we can't have church this week. You know, most of you figured it out. You couldn't drive anywhere. But um, the text thing is just for really like important stuff, right? Last minute, day. it's not, it's not going to be like just spamming your phone. So that's my, that's my promise to you. The rest of this card is for you to let us know what service time you want to go to that you plan on being at this fall. And then if there's any areas you'd like to learn more about serving in, they're really generic that's on there. This does not commit you to serving in one of these areas. It's like, well, they check the box. They are signed up until 2026. <laughs> and then we will review. No, that's not how this works. This is just, oh, I, I saw one this at 8.30. Someone was interested in learning more about worship tech. Well, cool, I get that to Shelly. Hi, Shelly. And Shelly follows up with that person and says, hey, can I explain a little bit more what that might look like? Would you like to come and shadow somebody and try it out? You know, whatever. Um, that's all this is. It's just to let us know you're interested and learning what it might look like to serve in some of these areas. And we have some big needs. Like, worship tech is one of them. Shelly's running live stream right now after leading worship because we don't have enough people that have learned how to do that yet. I'd love for her to be able to train some more people on that. Um, our kids' spaces always need more help. In fact, this fall, we are hoping to have a separate class for like fourth and fifth graders who've kind of aged out of some of our curriculum to have something a little more in-depth for them and then also have something a little more age-appropriate for like three- and four-year-olds. To do that, we have to split kids into separate environments, which means we need more volunteers to be in those classrooms. Um, so we always have more ideas than we have volunteers, is what I'm telling you. Um, and in any of those areas that you want to just learn more about, just, just check those boxes. Um, and, then, and then you can put them in the basket on your way out. You can hand them to me, Betsy, down at the connection point, and, uh, and, and we'll just follow up with you, okay? How do we help more people come and see? That's really what this is about. And so the three things I want to just give you, number one is give the invitation. Number two, some of us, 20 of us, I'm hoping, will give up our seat. And then thirdly, we'll give of ourselves, our time, our talents, and our treasures. Let me pray.
Heavenly Father, it's so good to be in your presence today. I've been anticipating this Sunday for some time, knowing not, that not only would you be here and be the guest of honor, but that there'd be some, some faces and people that maybe I haven't seen for a little bit that we've missed. And I'm just glad to see them, glad that they're here. Lord, would you make us the church that you envision when you think about Mountain View? We have a vision, we have a mission, but I think you have a picture of what you see this church could be in our community. I pray that you would make us into that church. As we lean in, as we follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit, God, would you give us opportunity this week? Maybe one of those phrases or a version of those phrases, we would hear that and this little ding would go off and we would just extend that invitation. Maybe for some of us, God, you're prompting us to give sacrificially and even though it's easier for us to t come to 10, we're gonna, for a season at least, we're gonna try and we're gonna go to another time to open up a little more space for other people to come and meet with you at this hour. And maybe for others of us, Lord, your spirit is prompting us to, to get in the game, to, to begin to serve, to begin to give, to use the things that you have entrusted to us. Everything good comes from you. It's all yours. And that we, but we would leverage those things to make a difference make a difference in the kingdom. I pray that you would just put your finger on which one of those we need to be about this week. We pray this in your name, amen.